0: This is Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 32 of The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by Jeremiah Burroughs. How unseemly it is that you should be a slave to every cross That every affliction shall be able to say to your soul, Bow down to us. We accounted it a great slavery when men said to our souls, Bow down, as the cruel prelates were wont to do in imposing things upon men's consciences. In effect, they said, Let your consciences, your souls, bow down to us that we may tread upon them. That is the greatest slavery in the world, that one man should say to another, let your consciences, your souls bow down that we may tread upon them, but will you allow every affliction to say, bow down that we may tread upon you? Truly it is so, when your heart is overcome with murmuring and discontent, Know that those afflictions which have caused you to murmur have said to you, Bow down that we may tread upon you. Nay, not afflictions, but the very devil prevails against you in this. Oh, how this is beneath the happy position to which God has raised a Christian. What will the son of a king let every base fellow come and bid him bow down that he may tread upon his neck. That is what you do in every affliction. The affliction, the cross, and trouble that befalls you says, bow down that we may come and tread upon you. Number three, murmuring is below. The spirit of a Christian. The spirit of every Christian should be like the spirit of his father. Every father loves to see his spirit in his child, loves to see his image. Not the image of his body only, to say, Here is a child for all the world like his father. But he has the spirit of his father too. A father who is a man of spirit loves to see his spirit in his child rather than the features of his body. Oh, the Lord, who is our Father, loves to see his Spirit in us. Great men love to see great spirits in their children, and the great God loves to see a great Spirit in his children. We are one Spirit with God and with Christ, and one Spirit with the Holy Ghost. Therefore, we should have a spirit that might manifest the glory of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in our spirits. That is the spirit of a Christian. The spirit of a Christian should be a lion-like spirit, as Jesus Christ is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, so he is called. So we should manifest something of the lion-like spirit of Jesus Christ. He manifested his lion-like spirit in passing through all afflictions and troubles whatsoever without any murmuring against God. When he came to drink that bitter cup and even the dregs of it, he prayed indeed to God that if it were possible it might pass from him, but immediately, not my will, but thy will be done as soon as ever he mentioned the passing of the cup from him, though it was the most dreadful cup that ever was drunk since the world began. Yet at the mentioning of it, not my will but thy will be done. Here Christ showed a lion-like spirit in going through all kinds of afflictions whatsoever, without any murmuring against God in them. Now a murmuring spirit is a base, dejected spirit, cross and contrary to the spirit of a Christian, and it is very base. I remember that the heathens accounted it very base. Plutarch reports of a certain people who used to manifest their disdain to men who were overmuch dejected by any affliction and condemn them to this punishment to wear women's clothes all their days or for a certain space of time at least they should go in women's clothes in token of shame and disgrace to them because they had such effeminate spirits they thought it against a manly spirit and therefore seeing they did unman themselves they should go as women now Shall they account it an unmanly spirit to be overmuch dejected in afflictions? And shall not a Christian account it an unchristian-like spirit to be overmuch dejected by any affliction whatsoever? I remember someone else compares murmuring spirits to children when they are weaning. What a great deal of stir you have with your children when you wean them. How perverse and vexing they are. So, when God would wean you from some outward comforts in this world, oh, how fretting and discontented you are. Children will not sleep themselves, nor let their mothers sleep when they are weaning, and so, when God would wean us from the world, and we fret, vex, and murmur. This is a childish spirit. Number four, it is below the profession of a Christian. The profession of a Christian. What is that? A Christian's profession is to be dead to the world and to be alive to God. That is his profession, to have his life hid with Christ in God, to satisfy himself in God. What? Is this your profession? And yet, if you have not everything you want, you murmur and are discontented. In that, you even deny your profession. Number five, it is below that special grace of faith. Faith is what overcomes the world. It makes all the promises of God ours. Now, when you took upon you the profession of religion, Did God ever promise you that you would live at ease and quiet and have no trouble? I remember Augustine has a similar expression. What? Is this your faith? Did I ever promise you, he says, that you should flourish in the world? Are you a Christian to that end? And is this your faith? I never made any such promise to you when you took upon you to be a Christian. Oh, it is very contrary to your profession. You have no promise for this, that you should not have such an affliction upon you. And a Christian should live by his faith. It is said that the just live by faith. Now, you should not look after any other life, but the life that you have by faith. You have no ground for your faith to believe that you should be delivered out of such an affliction. And then why should you account it such a great evil to be under this affliction? Certainly, the good that we have in the ground for our faith is enough to content our hearts here and to all eternity. A Christian should be satisfied with what God has made the object of his faith. The object of his faith is high enough to satisfy his soul, were it capable of a thousand times more than it is. Now, if you may have the object of your faith, you have enough to content your soul. And know that when you are discontented for want of certain comforts, You should think thus, God never promised me that I should have these comforts at this time and in such a way as I would have. I am discontented because I have not these things which God never yet promised me, and therefore I sin much against the gospel and against the grace of faith. Number six, it is below a Christian because it is below those helps that a Christian has more than others have. They have the promises to help them, which others have not. It is not so much for the heart of a Nabal to sink, because he has nothing but the creature to uphold him. But it is much for a Christian who has promises and ordinances to uphold his spirit, which others have not. Number seven, it is below the expectation that God has of Christians, for God expects not only that they should be patient in afflictions, but that they should rejoice and triumph in them. Now, Christians, when God expects this from you, and you have not even attained to contentedness under afflictions, oh, this is beneath what God expects from you. Number eight, it is below what God has had from other Christians. Others have not only been contented with little trials, but they have triumphed under great afflictions, they have suffered the spoiling of their goods with joy. Read the latter part of the 11th of the Hebrews, and you will find what great things God has had from his people. Therefore, not to be content with smaller crosses must needs be a great evil. This concludes episode 32 of Jeremiah Burroughs, The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment.